This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good day, good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are in this world listening to Dojo Live. This is Ram Ganesan, uh, your co-host on Wednesdays. Uh, I'm joined by my uh, uh, fantastic colleague, uh, Tulio Siragusa. I'm calling from New Jersey. Tulio is based in Los Angeles. Uh, we're excited to have Mina Tanikachalam, uh, Head of Data Strategy and Data Architecture at Ally, to join us from Charlotte, North Carolina. How are you doing today, Mina? Nice, uh, Ram. How about yourself? Doing great, doing great. And the title is Cloud Computing and Data Analytics. How is cloud, cloud computing helping data data and analytics uh, at Ally or generally in the industry? So, uh, Mina, just to kick this off, um, uh, we would like to understand a little more about yourself. Uh, you know, anything that you would like to share with the audience here? We, we have a global... A stream of enthusiasts, young and old, interested in technology and uh, data and uh, all things cool. So uh, let us uh, tell us a little more about yourself. Sure. Uh, thank you for hosting me today. First of all, uh, thank you so much, uh, Ram and Tulio. Uh, Meena Tanikachalam, Head of uh, Data Strategy and Architecture at Ally Financial. Ally is a leading digital financial services company. I'm based out of Charlotte. Um, data is my passion, and I enjoy anything and everything uh, in data space. Uh, and uh, my um, interest in data started as early as uh, I graduated from college. So one fascinating fact is you can see the numbers live with data. There's no necessity to make any assumptions or um, you know, you, you don't need to interpret um, or predict uh, without the facts. You have the facts and using the facts, you uh, predict using the data and make use of the data to uh, solve uh, business problems. It's quite fascinating to be working in the data space. So data has always been my uh, passion. And also, I would say um, I have a lot of other uh, hobbies and then I enjoy uh, cooking, uh, interior decorations, and also I'm very passionate about uh, uh, astrology. So uh, those are my uh, interests. Astrology and data, quite interesting. Um, and as they say, and it's a good choice data, because as they uh, say it now, data is the new oil. So good, good place to be in, uh, large amount of problems to solve, great amounts of money to be unlocked and made. So uh, uh, good stuff there. So uh, uh, you head data strategy and architecture at Ally. Shed a little more light about that. What your role is, and uh, you know how you're moving the needle at Ally. Yeah, Ally, as I uh, stated, is a leading digital financial services company. Uh, we are doing a lot of innovation in the data space. As a head of strategy and architecture, uh, my responsibility includes uh, spearheading the technology landscape. Uh, making use of data, coming up with recommendations and uh, ideas to solve business challenges. Also creating a vision and roadmap for uh, the data organization, working with our business partners and also with the senior executives. We 
uh, lay out a roadmap and a solution blueprint for various uh, data initiatives. Uh, I have a team of architects and uh, we work very closely with our business and also with our engineering functions in delivery and execution. So it's kind of like giving guidance and advice to uh, the entire organization when it comes to data, be it as technology or solution recommendations, or even um, working with the business to understand the problem and coming up with a vision of technologies available in the industry, um, how to make use of that technology to solve the problems in an efficient manner. And more importantly, uh, there are two things I would say that we are focusing. Uh, one is how to make use of data and monetize the data that we have available because there's so much of data that we collect from um, our source systems and also from various channels through we interact uh, with our customers or we might have a lot of transactions happening. So we collect all that data and um, sometimes uh, we might be using data to address a specific problem However, uh, we are looking at how to monetize data. That is one of the primary goals. And also uh, making our organization data-driven is one of the key objectives for my uh, organization, uh, meaning uh, we want everyone in the organization to make use of data and uh, be able to derive insights by themselves. So uh, the intent is- Yeah, it's all about the insights, definitely, right? It's all about the insights, right? Uh, the data uh, needs to translate to information or insights and decision-making capability. That's when it really unlocks the value of data. So tell me, how do you go about making those decisions and how do you prioritize uh, what data to go after? Because right now there is an abundance of it, right? You just can't have- enough storage space in the world you know you, people are just getting petabytes and i don't know what the next pieces of data right sizing of data is but you, we used to talk about megabytes not too long ago but then it went to gigabytes and terabytes and now it's petabytes so tell us how you prioritize your approach to data and where where do you go after you know finding the problems to solve how do you what's your process around that Yes, so there's a, a technology uh, strategy, or uh, I would say there is also a business uh, strategy that any organization would uh, uh, drive towards. And as part of the business strategy, there is also a technology component, which is the technology strategy. And then if you go, zoom the technology strategy, there's various components. There is application, there is APIs, and there's also data. Data is one of the uh, component within the strategy. Um, identify what are the key objectives for the business, right? That's the first thing that we all look into. And how can we make use of data and what technology choices we have available to solve the business problems by making use of data? It's a triangular uh, relationship, business problem or metrics that you want to derive. There's uh, data and there is technology. So if you could think of a triangle, the three edges and, and the three edges, if you could put the business problem, data and technology, so it goes hand in hand that in any organization, 
you know, the priority is going to be based on what is the problem you want to solve for and what is the uh, technology. The second thing I would say, there's uh, so much of data, to your point, data is growing tremendously. It's not uh, just the data, but it's also the variety of data, right? We have different formats when it comes to data. We are seeing a lot of structured, unstructured, semi-structured data. So this is a, a very uh, uh, unusual, I would say, like uh, 15 years back, we wouldn't see this sort of uh, varied formats in data. Exactly. It's very common these days. So there's a lot of um, uh, challenges, uh, you know, that we have overcome. Um, and today the technology is very capable of handling all of this uh, formats of data and the volume of data. Right. Speaking of technology, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, Speaking of technology, um, how has cloud, uh, has cloud been a necessary evil? Is it because everybody's just doing it? Or is this something that has been a true enabler of the data revolution, right? Did the data revolution actually start because of cloud? What's your opinion on that? And how are you in, in your cloud and machine learning journey, right? Like how are these financial services companies generally adopting cloud technology when it comes to data? Right. So going back to my uh, previous, uh, going back to the previous question, so um, the varied formats of data and volume of data is among us. So cloud computing is certainly a boon for any uh, anyone looking at um, deriving insights uh, using data. And the storage is, um, uh, you know, uh, you can store whatever data you want, and also you can extend the storage as, as you want. It's also... Uh, pay-per-use model, which is a boon for any organization. So, so you don't need to be investing upfront in uh, the technology or your infrastructure. So you use, and depending on your usage, you pay to the uh, provider for what you... You pay as you go, right? Yeah, you pay as you go. That's great. It's a very simple model. And it's also um, very uh, practical and realistic. Like, let's say if I want to get uh, a machine learning model running and if I need compute resources and I need, um, uh, you know, capabilities, like for example, in AWS or GPU type instances that's readily available. I mean, like you could spin up instances as quick as possible. Uh, had it been the case, when you're doing everything on-prem, you have to get the right configuration. You have to, um, look at the, the compute resources you need, then you order the server and you make it available. So there's a lot of uh, processing involved. So the time it takes to do something is going to be uh, a lot more than what we are dealing with today. And uh, today, you know, within an hour or so, you could uh, get things done. Um, whereas previously, if you look at 10, 15 years back, it has been, uh, a lot of time to accomplish any uh, tasks, especially in machine learning uh, space. And cloud computing is certainly a, a boon for uh, anybody that is looking at uh, deriving insights using data. So, Mina, yes. I'm, curi I'm curious to build on this, if you don't mind. I'm just curious to build on this. I, you know, I remember 10, 15 years ago, you were dependent on data transmission to get access to the data. And sometimes the, the data volume was so big that by the time you can invoke it, it, it would drop, right? So you never actually got access to it, which is why cloud became such a big push and made it possible to essentially gain access to the data to get to that almost real time capability of analytics. I'm curious, 
with the emergence of 5G and with more devices on the edge, with the ability to cache data, do you foresee cloud computing getting competition to more localized capabilities from organization? Or do you see an expansion in cloud computing to adopt these new technology to make it even faster and seamless? Where are you seeing it going based on your experience? So I think certainly there's innovations happening. There's also advancements happening in cloud computing. And uh, there's a lot of capabilities available to balance uh, and optimize performance. Um, so, for example, AWS offers a lot of load balancing capabilities if you want to increase your uh, SLAs or, like, for example, if you want to reduce your SLAs, I would say. Um, and if a task might be taking a couple of hours to complete and you could, uh, you know, based on the type of uh, um, the uh, uh, service that you use, you would have options to uh, bring the time down very uh, considerably. So performance is one of the key pillars when we talk about uh, cloud computing, and I think it's there's advancements happening in this space as well. Um, so I think more to come on edge, and uh, we would um, you know certainly see there is uh, there might be a shift in future, but. At the moment, I think uh, there is advancement happening in the uh, cloud computing uh, space as well. Thanks. Uh, I have uh, a follow-on question. You mentioned machine learning. So, you know, we keep hearing these buzzwords, right? Machine learning, deep learning, AI. Um, you know, we're all jobs are going to be made redundant. Everything's going to be automated. What's your point of view on that? What's what's your take on these terms, keywords, technologies, etc.? And how is that really adding value? Yes. Um, so there's uh, machine learning, AI, uh, cognitive analytics. These are all part and parcel of our life. Um, without knowing that we um, are um, using some of these technologies behind the scenes that you know we are living right for example if i am um, going and doing a transaction in a bank and uh, these days because of the pandemic most of us are doing uh, digital banking or online banking so most of the time you would be able to do all your activities or tasks by yourself like independent of uh, you know any help from the agent or customer service rep, you could do all the tasks by yourself. So behind the scenes, there could be chatbots, right? Chatbots are right. typical examples where um, the conversational AI is advanced. And uh, for example, you might be getting um, uh, alert or a notification about the, the credit card payment or like the default payment on a loan, or you know, um, there could be other financial product um, wherein you might be getting reminders or notifications about uh, payment due or upcoming payment. Um, and most organizations uh, behind the scenes might be using machine learning algorithms to predict who's going to be defaulting this month or possibly be a defaulter. And would wow, predict you can that do that. You right can predict that in advance, huh? Right, yeah. And it's because of the, the behavior of the customer that uh, most organizations would be collecting and then match it against uh, their, the payment behavior and the history of uh, transactions they've had and the relationship they've had with the customer. Using that, they might be able to predict and uh, say, hey, possible this customer could uh, 
not pay, make the payment on time. So let's go and see if the customer has paid or not paid. And then, uh, you know, behind the scenes, all this might happen and uh, we might be getting uh, notifications. So there's variety of examples in our day-to-day -day life where um, machine learning and AI and cognitive analytics are part and parcel of our life, uh, but it's uh, not... Uh, Interesting. Known and you know we think uh, you know it's some uh, word that we are not introduced to. Got it. Got it. Tulia, stop looking at me. I pay my credit card bills on time. Okay, so <laughs> and you're not a chatbot, so you don't get to predict my failure to pay my bills. Okay, and I do pay my bills on time. <laughs> the way you were looking at me is like I oh, feel like chatbot's gonna get him. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. I okay. hope you're not an ally client because you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> the chatbots flag me every month. No, but uh... well, that brings up an interesting, an interesting point, right? I mean, with with these kinds of technology, also comes the concerns of they're watching me, right? <laughs> they're keeping an eye on my behavior. Uh, how do you balance that out? You know, making people feel a little weirded out that they they you know that you have that kind of insight versus. Uh, using it as a way to either serve them better and also protect yourself. How do you guys balance that out? Right. So empathetically uh, communicating with the customer and doing it right for the customer is primary focus of many organizations, including Ally. In fact, uh, we believe in doing it right for our customers at Ally. Um, so I think it's also um, evident that uh, many organizations are taking proactive measures and offering short-term relief to their customers. Um, so when the COVID started, Ally offered a lot of loan deferral uh, programs to our uh, customers, like payment deferral, meaning like um, there was a time period when, you know, the COVID was um, very worse and, you know, we wanted to... Uh, Take care of the financial well-being of our customers and we had options to uh, defer loan payments for a certain period of time and it also depended on the relationship we had with our customers so it's always um, taking financial well-being of uh, customers is a priority for many organizations and also um, providing the right uh, service at the right time is very crucial so it's not necessarily that you get reminders from um, banks about your payment due or anything but it's also making sure that uh, we safeguard the uh, financial well-being of customers by providing the right service and recommendations that's amazing you know this convergence of uh, this bot enabled or ai enabled experience powered by real data and insights of both the individual as well as i guess the overall segment is a very interesting confluence, right? And uh, to that point, another, uh, I guess, important consideration must be privacy and data security, right? So what is your philosophy on that, right? Like, what are your points of view on how do you, you know, because there are many companies that have uh, been in the press for the wrong reasons when it comes to not managing data well or exploiting the data for, purposes that were not originally stated or understood, et cetera. Uh, where, where do we draw the line here? And, uh, and what's the future entail in terms of data privacy and security? Right. Um, so data privacy and data security is uh, 
a, a key pillar in any organization's uh, data strategy. And specifically, um, if you talk about uh, data security, there are three aspects. One is uh, data at rest, in motion, and data in use. So these are the three areas where one need to ensure that the, the data is secure. So there's various uh, uh, techniques available, techniques available um, to secure data. So if you are maintaining your data at rest and you're uh, just going to be storing your data on cloud, you have options to encrypt the data and you could also whitelist IP addresses where you, know, you might not potentially um, expose the data to somebody that's outside your network. So there's various options available to secure uh, data at rest. So when uh, we uh, uh, move data across the network or data gets moved, there's options to secure. There is uh, protocols and uh, standards that we could uh, uh, follow to secure data when data is in movement. And uh, the most important thing that many organizations are dealing with uh, is uh, data in use, which is essentially your uh, personally identifiable information, because we have to secure the, the PII attributes and it's uh, Definitely. very important to keep that uh, information secure. And it's uh, very important for banks and healthcare organizations and I'm guessing retailers, right, because you're dealing with sensitive information, financial information, social security numbers, credit cards, uh, health data, and things like that. So some industries more than the others, I think, have to carry this burden a lot more in terms of protecting data and privacy yeah. and, and considerations. Yeah, there's also compliance and regulatory needs in the financial services, and it's very right. stringent. So we take all... Uh, measures to protect the uh, sensitive uh, data. So various options available, you could restrict access to the sensitive elements, meaning there could be a list of personas who can only access the sensitive elements, or there is option to encrypt, there is option to uh, tokenize, or there is option to mask uh, some of the uh, attributes. So tokenization, uh, predominantly you can see in credit cards, right? Like you might see there's XXX, right? So the, the numbers, right? So that's uh, basically tokenization um, behind the scenes. So there's uh, options available and it depends on the choice and the use case and what the organization wants and which industry the organization is part of and what sort of regulatory needs and compliance requirements uh, they are uh, governed by. Got it, got it. And is that a huge cost typically for an organization in terms of uh, complying and keeping, or do you do you think that that's part and parcel of the whole data strategy? It's part and parcel of uh, the data strategy. It's not a separate um, uh, area by itself. Like every day, uh, it's part of the day-to-day um, -day activities of anybody who's working in a data space. Like for example, we might be getting data from about customers, right? So there, there could be a number of source systems providing information about customers. So there is a process to go through the list of attributes before the data even gets uh, ingested, review what sort of elements uh, we are getting. Is there any PII attributes? So if so, then what is the process to follow? Should we uh, mask or encrypt or uh, tokenize? So that uh, protocol, uh, any, uh, organization will have a security function and there might be recommendations from them and based on the recommendations you would take appropriate action to protect that element 
So I think it's not a separate um, uh, subject by itself. It's part and parcel of the data organization to make sure the data is secure, but mostly in uh, conjunction with a security architecture function or information and a risk protection uh, team in many organizations, they usually do this uh, work. Got it. So speaking of cloud technologies, when it comes to data, AI, and everything else, uh, I know there's the typical major players out there. Uh, uh, can you speak to a little about the trends or maybe you know something that one of the providers are doing better than the others, something like that? Uh, uh, love to understand what the future holds when it comes to uh, data on the cloud. Yeah, so um, there are three major providers, as we all know, that is uh, AWS, Azure, and uh, Google Cloud. All of them have uh, competent uh, capabilities and offerings. So it's not like one is better over other. So it depends on what an organization wants. Um, like for example, there could be a micro Microsoft-based systems predominantly, and they might uh, find it better to uh, go for Azure Cloud, whereas another organization uh, might think uh, Google Cloud or AWS could be a better provider. So it's there's not one is superior over other or anything. So all of them have uh, good uh, capabilities that uh, anyone could uh, go for. Uh, however, um, there's another uh, blend of this, which is kind of uh, a theme that was introduced several years back. Um, in fact, one of the largest financial services is build their own private uh, cloud, with okay. meaning that they haven't uh, gone with any of the uh, publicly available cloud providers. They build their own private cloud, and that's another model that we are seeing. There's also another model called hybrid cloud, which is a blend of, um, you know, um, some of this. So a few companies come together and they go for multi-tenancy. And that is a model where, uh, you know, they share the, uh, the, um, uh, the tenancy and uh, it's called as a hybrid uh, model. And, and that model is also common in uh, some industries. So. Uh, these are the predominant uh, patterns that you could see when it comes to uh, cloud uh, models. And, um, you know, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, capabilities available in all of the cloud providers that anyone could uh, make use of. Does uh, any, any fact, anything around cost uh, come into those decisions? Uh, I, I know that the cloud gets you up and running fast, but there's also the the consideration of eventually the volume and, and, and scope can get costly versus a private cloud or a hybrid environment. How are people making those decisions? What's that demarcation point that says, okay, now we're just paying, we're overpaying now. We, we need to move this in house. What's any, any consideration around that? How are you strategizing around that and thinking that through for the future? Right. In house, um, um or private cloud models are uh, predominantly happening in organizations where they have a lot of legal and compliance uh, regulations that they cannot keep the, uh, the data externally in a public cloud. So that's where we see this uh, private cloud model. However, when we talk about cost optimizations, most of the cloud providers are uh, offering ideas as how to save costs. So for example, if I am, um, uh, using a service from AWS, I have um, a lot of options available to reduce cost. 
So, uh, for example, uh, EC2 instance within AWS. There's a variety of choices available. Um, there is a spot instance on demand, and there's also a reserved instance. So depending on my use case, I might even go for a spot instance because that might uh, give me um, my, uh, you know, the, the capabilities or the compute that I need with a lesser cost um, than going for a, you know, on-demand uh, instance. So it, it depends on what is the problem and what sort of uh, needs I have, what is the SLA, and based on that, you will make the right choice or right decision. So cost optimization itself is a big uh, subject. So it's not like um, it's going to be a fixed cost always. It's going to be a varying cost. So there's uh, education and knowledge needed in order for somebody to make wiser decisions. Uh, it's no longer that, you know, I'll be paying 100,000 towards the server cost. It's like, okay, I am going to do this workload. For this workload, I need XYZ capabilities. And for this capabilities, this is the cost. But I have other options, and based on the other options available, this is the cost. So should I go for this or that? So that sort of analysis uh, needs to be done uh, for any data pipeline. In fact, AWS recommends a well-architected framework. There's various pillars within well-architected uh, AWS well-architected framework that a data pipeline can go through, and based on that, you can identify where your uh, bottlenecks are and uh, which. Um, um, service is essentially, uh, you know, increasing your cost. So it's uh, more about learning and understanding the pricing model, the consumption model, the usage model. It's not just like using cloud as a technology, but also having knowledge on all of these models. Uh, one could make intelligent choice and uh, reduce the cost. So in fact, um, that's been one of the primary thing that. Uh, many organizations are doing they have a cloud council or a aws uh, council within the organization the role of that um, the function is to promote and advocate and also educate their employees about how to use cloud and how the pricing model works so based on that you know the employees get to know um, what is the best option for their uh, particular uh, problem and they can make wiser uh, decisions that has been the case in uh, many uh, companies. And uh, uh, there's a separate course uh, that AWS offers um, to bring somebody up to speed on the, the consumption model, pricing model, usage, cost for various services. There's also a calculator available. So if you want to go and calculate how much you're going to be uh, paying for what you're doing, you can calculate that upfront before you even go and uh, you know implement that or execute that. Uh, pipeline. So Tulio, now you know why Jeff Bezos is the second richest man in the world. Yeah, no. <laughs> of course. So we're, we're, we're coming up on time. So Mina, just uh, one more question to close it out. Uh, how do you measure success here? What are the challenges uh, that one should look out for? Any words of advice for people out there who are setting out on this data journey to the cloud? Um, yeah, so while uh, there's variety of choices and uh, this technology is uh, uh, growing constantly, um, it's not necessary that we need to use all technology choices. What What is the right technology choice that would help me solve the problem? Um, do I have the right data to solve the business problem? 
So starting uh, from that lens would be very helpful for any uh, data leader. And also um, having a holistic strategy. Strategy is going to give big picture and making sure that strategy is well received by various functions within the organization is very important because IT is not working by itself. Like IT has to go hand in hand with the business. So making sure the business has a partnership and collaboration with any uh, data it's all about the partnership. is yeah. very uh, important. And plus, uh, uh, innovation is uh, crucial these days because uh, um, we are seeing a lot of change every day. Um, learning and also failing quickly is very important because the more you take to fail, the more time you're losing. So failing early on is uh, much recommended than um, you know failing at a later stage. So it gives an opportunity for us to correct ourselves. So no one is perfect. But then when you fail early, you know, like these are your strengths and weakness and you can act upon it very quickly and be uh, more proactive. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, we're we're uh, out of time. Uh, once again, thank you again, Mina. Uh, it was uh, amazing talking to you. Really appreciate you sharing all these insights with us at Dojo Live. Uh, once again, uh, this is Ram Ganesan at Dojo Live, joined by Tulio Siragusa. And we were talking to Mina Tanikachalam, head of data strategy and architecture at Ally. And we talked we talked about cloud computing and data analytics. Thank, Thank you again. Mina. Thanks Take for hosting. Care. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Amazing. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com. Thank you.